Welcome to another episode of Degenerate Drinking Coffee. So I just released a reel today on the 29th, tomorrow, July 30th. This episode's going to air, and the entire theme is going to be about the different waves or movements that have occurred in the coffee industry. Now, in this video, I defined first wave, second wave, and third wave coffee, and then at the very end, I posed a question. Is there a fourth wave coming? Are we in the fourth wave now? Would a fourth wave even be possible, or have we kind of hit the pinnacle of where the coffee industry is going to go already? So what I'm going to do in this episode is redefine first, second, and third wave coffee. I'm going to give examples. I'm going to go through some defining characteristics. And then at the end, I want to go through my opinion on fourth wave coffee, if I think it's a real thing, and why I have formed the opinion that I have. So to get started, we have first wave coffee, and this is kind of the lowest quality, and it goes by another name, and that's commodity coffee. So think of kind of what maybe your grandpa used to drink, what's in the, the work break room, maybe what's it like the, I don't know, when you're getting your car worked on and they've got the coffee pods sitting outside, right? They're usually what, Green Mountain Coffee, Folgers, Maxwell House, things like that. So it's not really high quality coffee, it exists as a commodity. Some other characteristics of first wave, or maybe they use language like premium or special or gourmet, but there's absolutely no indicator of where this coffee came from, where it was sourced from, the supply chain, uh, the roast they're even using. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll say something like it's a house blend, but there's no indication or description of what that blend consists of. Essentially, you as the consumer, the consumer, you're just getting um, something that has a really factory feel to it. Uh, it's mass produced went through a big factory, got shit into a bag and sealed up by, by a fucking automated conveyor belt and thrown out uh, into a semi truck and shipped down the road to a local convenience store. This is also generally pre-ground and it's bitter, woody, cereally coffee. It's, it's something that resembles coffee, a shadow of it perhaps, but it's just not real. But then something happened, a second wave or a second movement in the coffee industry occurred. And this is when coffee became more of a luxury item, and we started seeing the appearance of shops like Starbucks or Caribou Coffee. During this period, we start to see coffee being viewed as this luxury item that you could go enjoy in a cafe with dark, moody lighting, somewhere relaxing, jazz music playing in the background, somewhere that you can get work done, make phone calls, read a book. So we're really looking at cafe culture and coffee as an experience. But what about the coffee itself? So we start seeing a slight interest in maybe where the origin is from. Uh, we'll get something big like, hey, it came from this country. We're not quite to the point yet where we're defining the farm that it came from or the specific region in a country that it came from. But yeah, maybe on bags you're starting to see, hey, we've got uh, something from Guatemala here. Um, we've got something from just different regions all over the world. But there's also a different roasting style that's occurring here. So we're seeing still very dark, oily beans. So a preferred darker roasting style. I often joke about how um, Starbucks probably roasts a good hour after second crack, just meaning that they fucking torch their beans. They basically light them on fire and you've got this oily black cup of uh, tar. So we're doing darker roast, but we're also seeing the development of specialty drinks. And I don't mean specialty in the same way we define specialty coffee today, but rather they're starting to 
developed this idea that a specialty drink is like a signature drink. Their Frappuccino, for instance. Hey, we've got something that's got a bit of coffee in it, um, but it's also got uh, a different milk base. It's got different syrups and flavors, and you can customize it to make it just how you want it to taste. So as much as I dislike Starbucks, as much as I dislike uh, their Frappuccinos and all their, their sugar milkshake drinks, right, they're still... A, necess- a necessity for them. They are a necessary evil because this is a next step that the coffee industry ends up taking to where people can start getting coffee the way they want it to taste. So at this point, we're starting to get into this phase where people are really having an appreciation for the, the drinks that they're consuming to start their day. And they're, they're able to customize these drinks to meet their preferences. But the closer someone looks at something, the more they might realize, hey, there's a flaw in this, or hey, I can make this better. And that's where we start getting into third wave coffee. So when I think of third wave coffee, the words that immediately come to mind are transparency and quality. And in this period, we start to see coffee being viewed more as not just a luxury item, but something that needs to have standards. But I wanted to see what other people were thinking when they thought of third wave coffee. So I went over to Perfect Daily Grind, and here's a definition they they gave. Increasing coffee quality, more direct trade, a greater emphasis on sustainability, lighter roast profiles, innovative brew methods. These are all intrinsic to third wave coffee as well as sweetness, complexity, and distinctiveness. We also begin to see the establishment of a specialty coffee association, someone that can actually set objective standards so that we can better define what is specialty coffee and what isn't. And in this sense, specialty coffee isn't a descriptor for, oh, I think it's special, I think it's good, but it's actually a point-based system that's graded based on the number of defects that are found in a sample of coffee. So here's an example I like to give when I talk about third wave coffee. Okay, when you look at wine, what, what's going on there? Bottles generally have a region, a farm, there's notes on it saying what you're gonna taste when you drink it, and there's also professionals, sommeliers, that are able to better define what coffees you're drinking, what they might pair well with, and they're just very knowledgeable about the subject, right? And in coffee during this period, we're starting to see this as well. We've got our own version of a sommelier called a Q grader, literally a quality grader that is able to test, taste, and give a score based on a 100-point system to define how good a coffee is. So during the third wave coffee movement, we've got specific flavor notes being mentioned, lighter roast profiles. We're starting to look at where the coffee came from. We've got high degrees of origin transparency, as well as the supply chain. Manual brewing methods are starting to appear. So often you'll see me doing a, a pour over or immersion brewing. And these are, again, these aren't big batch brews. These are small uh, orders made to cup, essentially. So we start to look more at things like that. Another big indicator is you'll see freshness. And this is one that maybe is often overlooked, but when I, when I look at a good third wave coffee roaster, they generally put a specific roast date on the bag, letting you know, Hey, this is when we roasted this. This is when it was prepared for the sale to you. And on that bag, there's generally things like, Hey, the coffee was grown at this altitude. The coffee was uh, supplied by this farmer, and this is how we got it from them. Uh, some some coffee companies are very good about this, and that they they might pay the growers directly and and get the coffee from them. So this these are things that we start to really think about during this period. So let's think: how do we define this movement? What what do we say defines third wave coffee? Because this is going to be how we 
figure out if there's such a thing as a fourth wave. I think third wave could probably be probably be defined as a movement based on higher standards in the growth process, supply chain, roasting, and preparation of coffee. And all of these standards are judged or graded by some sort of objective measure, like something, for example, set by the Specialty Coffee Association when we look at what is specialty coffee and what is not. So if this is third wave coffee, as we've just defined it, what could fourth wave possibly be? I've heard a lot of people mention that it's one of these two things. It's either we see a bigger movement into the brewing science, or we see a movement into people no longer going to cafes and choosing to brew at home. And I've heard a lot more definitions of what fourth wave is supposed to be, but I think that might be a good indicator that there's not a fourth wave. Because think about it like this. With our first wave, we just said commodity coffee. The clear shift, the next wave, was when we started to see the appearance of coffee shops, cafe culture becoming popular, okay? Our next shift, our next wave occurred when specialty coffee took the scene and we start setting standards. But now there's multiple definitions for what this fourth wave is supposed to be. There's no clear definition of where it happened. And you know, the fact that there's not a clearly defined moment isn't a deal breaker, but let's go down the path of, of fourth wave coffee being defined as first, this movement where we start to take a more scientific approach to our coffee brewing methods. But the third wave is when we start establishing these scientific measures. This is the objectivity that's in third wave coffee. You begin to see not only, hey, where are we growing these beans? How's, it, how's that going to affect how they taste? But what processes are we using after they've been grown? How are we roasting them? How are they being graded? And the, the whole process that a Q grader uses to grade a coffee is a scientific measure. As a matter of fact, if you want to get certified by the SCA, you have to take so many hours of classes that measure your ability to identify things from farm to cup. And, and these are measures that are heavily based in science. It, and not just that. Let's go back to episode one, where I discussed extraction theory, right? That is another one of those scientific measures, viewing coffee as a solution. So I, I can't really say that the fourth wave was marked by coffee brewing or coffee preparation beginning to take this scientific approach because that's how the third wave really began to start testing and establishing these higher standards. Now, the fourth argument has a little more credibility, and I think it's actually one that I, I could see being a possible answer to fourth wave coffee, and that's people began to brew specialty coffee at home rather than go to a shop to get it. This definition would also include like the appearance of micro roasters, people roasting from home and then prepping the cups at home as well. But essentially everything is home-based. The cafe is your living room or your kitchen. And again, this is a really good argument because I look around my own kitchen and see, wow, I have better equipment than most specialty coffee shops do around me. But I don't know that this is a defining characteristic of a new movement occurring. Because here's the thing, in my own kitchen, in my own home, I'm still ordering from third wave coffee roasters. If I am gonna roast myself, I would still source from somewhere that has a good transparent report of where that coffee came from. I'm still very interested in origin characteristics surrounding that coffee. I'm still interested in the way I'm going to brew that using brewing science. So those high standards for quality and transparency are still there. 
Now, let's say a majority of the population started brewing their own coffee at home. Let's say they started roasting their own coffee at home. And let's say this led to the death of the cafe entirely, that now people are getting specialty coffee and they're doing it as a majority from the comfort of their own homes. Yeah, this, this I could see as a big movement. And a movement of this magnitude, again, the death of the cafe, yeah, that, that's fucking significant. That I would consider fourth wave coffee occurring. But you know, man, that's kind of just like my opinion. You know, I, I'm, I could be completely wrong. We could be in fifth wave coffee right now. And my opinions just don't align with the rest of the coffee industry. And I just don't see it. My eyes, are, my eyes can't possibly bear the glory of fourth wave coffee occurring right now. And that's just why I, I can't process it actually happening. It's kind of like the owners of a of Sig Sauer's P320, right? No matter how many discharges that that firearm has by itself without the, the actual operator pulling the trigger, the they, they still have some sort of excuse or belief that Sig is just the best manufacturer of firearms out there. But you know, I, again, this is my personal opinion. I, I could just be so attached to third wave coffee as a label that I don't see that there is potential for another wave to occur, but I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to find out what you think. You can go ahead and always send a, send a direct message over to Instagram at Degenerates Drinking Coffee with a little underscore after it. And yeah, man, that, that's, I think, where we're going to stop this episode. Once again, I truly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to this. It, it doesn't mean the world to me. Your time is one of the most valuable resources you have. So the fact that you gave me about 15 minutes of it means a great deal to me. So thanks again. I hope you learned something. I hope you got something out of this. And I will catch you next time on Degenerate Drinking Coffee.